Let's continue reading verses 1 through 28 of Judges chapter 20. Now in this first half of the chapter, we see all of Israel gathered together to go to war against the tribe of Benjamin because of Gibeah's outrageous moral behavior. Judges chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. So all the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, as well as from the land of Gilead. And the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mizpah. And the leaders of all the people, all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. Then the children of Israel said, tell us, how did this wicked deed happen? So the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, my concubine and I went into Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin, to spend the night. And the men of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house at night because of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they ravished my concubine so that she died. So I took hold of my concubine, cut her in pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of the inheritance of Israel, because they committed lewdness and outrage in Israel. Look, all of you are children of Israel. Give your advice and counsel here and now. So all the people arose as one man saying, none of us will go to his tent nor will any turn back to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot. We will take 10 men out of every 100 throughout all the tribes of Israel, 100 out of every 1,000, and 1,000 out of every 10,000 to make provisions for the people that when they come to Gibeah in Benjamin, they may repay all the vileness that they have done in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united together as one man. Then the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Now therefore deliver up the men, the perverted men, who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. Instead, the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. And from their cities at that time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who numbered 700 select men. Among all this people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. Now besides Benjamin, the men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. Then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? The Lord said, Judah first. So the children of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them at Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. And the people, that is, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against him. So the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on the second day. And Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. Then all the children of Israel, that is, all the people, went up and came to Bethel and wept. 
They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. Once again, let's begin with some background notes. Why did God include these terrible events at the end of Judges in his word? Did God include these events just to give us some interesting historical reading material? No. God included all of this material at the end of Judges to show us all the sad things that really happen when people turn away from the Lord and his word and his laws. Now, when did these events take place? Remember, these events, while they are recorded at the end of the book of Judges, do not take place chronologically. The period of the Judges was about 350 years, and it looks like these events took place near the beginning of that time. In verse 28, we read that the priest at this time was Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron. This is the same Phinehas that stood for the Lord back in Numbers chapter 25, when Israel was involved wrongly with the Moabites before they came into the land. So these events in chapters 19 through 21 of Judges are very definitely early in the time of the Judges. This shows us how quickly the people went downhill after the time of Joshua, doesn't it? It only took one generation to depart from the Lord. Now, one more background note. In verses 18, 23, and 28, we read of the Lord telling the tribes of Israel to go up to battle against Benjamin. Now, how did the Lord tell the tribes to do this? Well, it may have been through a prophecy given to Phinehas or someone else, or it may have been through the Urim and Thummim. How many never heard that term before? <laughs> the Urim and the Thummim. We don't know exactly what the Urim and the Thummim were, but we do know from references in the law that they were some kind of items, maybe precious stones, that were put in the breastplate of the high priest, and they could be used by the high priest to determine God's will when a major decision was called for. Exactly how the Urim and Thummim worked, we don't know but they may have been involved here in Israel's decision to go to war against Benjamin. Well, a lot more we could say here on the background. Let's move now to our doctrinal or teaching points. Doctrinal point number one, moral laxity results from a low view of the holiness of God. Moral laxity results from a low view of the holiness of God. When we read these sad events at the end of the book of Judges, the idolatry in chapters 17 and 18, and the moral laxity here in chapters 19 through 21, we ask ourselves, how could Israel so quickly sink to such a low spiritual and moral level? Now, we've already seen that it's because they turned away from the Lord and his laws. But let's go further. Why did Israel turn away from the Lord? I think the key is that they had a low view of the holiness of God. Now, where do we see this low view of the holiness of God? Look again at verses 26 and 27. 
Then all the children of Israel went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. You know, this is the only mention of the Ark of the Covenant in the book of Judges. Now, the good news here is that Israel is finally weeping and fasting before the Lord. But the bad news is that the ark seems to be at Bethel. The ark was to be kept in the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle. And we believe the tabernacle was at Shiloh all during this time. We see it there at the end of chapter 17. We see it there after this time. What's the ark doing here out of the tabernacle? The ark was a holy object, and it was not to be taken out and paraded around and looked at by the layperson. This was a low view of the holiness of God. Remember, at the time of Samuel, which was still during the time of the judges, Israel wrongly took the ark from the tabernacle at Shiloh into battle with them against the Philistines. Read about that in 1 Samuel 4. They had a low view of the holiness of God, and they tried to use the ark like a good luck charm in battle. And you remember when the ark came back from the land of the Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 6, the men of Bethshemesh wrongly looked into the ark and were struck down by the Lord. They had a low view of the holiness of God. So all through the time of the judges, the people had a low view of the holiness of God and moral laxity naturally followed. If you have a low view of the holiness of God, you can be sure that there will be moral laxity in your life. Let's look at it from the other side. If there is moral laxity in your life right now, even as to what you allow yourself to read or watch on TV, chances are you have a low view of the holiness of God. How is your view of the holiness of God? If you have a high view of the holiness of God, you will not have a problem with moral laxity. Moral laxity results from a low view of the holiness of God. Doctrinal point number two. Moral outrage should lead to correction by discipline. Moral outrage should lead to correction by discipline. The reason the Levite cut up his dead concubine into 12 parts and mailed them out to the 12 tribes of Israel was to cause moral outrage. It worked. The sad point is, that this is what it took to cause moral outrage concerning the low moral standards in Israel. Question, what will it take in our nation to cause moral outrage concerning partial birth abortion? Answer, if all Americans could just see the gruesome procedure firsthand, there would be moral outrage. You notice how protective the liberal media and press is concerning this sin of our nation. And it's not only this sin, but many others. Moral values have sunk to the level where there is no moral outrage to gross sin in this land. Now, when there is moral outrage, it should lead to correction by discipline. And that's what we see going on here in Judges chapter 20. Because the proud and defiant tribe of Benjamin would not judge and discipline the sinful men of Gibeah, God allowed civil war in Israel. The sin must be dealt with. And the same is true today. In the home and in the church, 
there must be discipline for moral sin. Read 1 Corinthians 5 in this connection. The fact that God allowed Israel to be defeated twice before the Lord struck down the tribe of Benjamin, finally in verse 35, is because the Lord was bringing all of Israel to its knees. Only when Israel wept and fasted before the Lord and brought the proper sacrifices to the Lord did the Lord promise victory. You know, we may be seeing quite a parallel in our country right now. There must be moral outrage and humility and confession before the Lord on the part of all before God will step in. Then there can be correction by discipline. Moral outrage should lead to correction by discipline. Practical application. Take heed lest you fall. Take heed lest you fall. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 and 12, we read, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. All these things here refers to the Old Testament events as Israel came out of Egypt and went into the land of Canaan. It certainly could be extended to the time of the judges. So if you think your moral standards would never sink to the level of what we read about here at the end of Judges, listen to this scripture. Take heed lest you fall.